I, there's a piece from Shemesh Shmuel that we're going to do today. I really want to go with it inside because it's very important, very beneficial, but I don't want to get it wrong because it's one of these ones that if you get it wrong, it goes really wrong. Okay, but if we get it right, we definitely can gain a lot. So it starts with a medrash. The medrash Rabbah says, Vahibaisahi. Okay, now again, we're taking a micro-slice from the Parsha, and we're taking a micro-slice from one of the most difficult aspects of the Parsha, which is the marriage of Yehuda and the eventual children he has from Tamar that lead into the line of David HaMelech and the Mashiach. Okay? So, the whole Parsha is introduced in the Torah by saying, that Yehuda went down. And Rashi says that the brothers demoted him from his chashivas, from his leadership position, because they say, when they saw how their father was so desolate over the loss of Yosef, and they said, you know, you were the one who said to sell him, we listened to you, if you would have told us to bring him home, we would have listened as well. So Yehuda goes, and he gets married. What's going on? So there's a medrash that starts off with a pasuk from Yirmiyahu, the medrash Rabbah, Hashem says, I know the thoughts. Meaning, everybody has their thought patterns about what they have to do, what they want to do. HaKadosh Baruch Hu knows all of them. And He is utilizing that GPS that we can't even imagine to have those different pathways go to where they're supposed to go. What was going on? The Shvatim were involved in the selling of Yosef and the aftermath. Yosef Yosef was in a state of mourning over in Egypt. He was torn away from everything. Reuven was involved in doing tshuva, fasting and wearing sackcloth because of what he did with his father and Bilhah and the moving of the bed, as Rashi describes. Yaakov is in mourning and sackcloth over Yosef, who they said was killed. Yehuda was busy getting married. And what was Hashem doing this time? He was creating the light of Mashiach, and this is what the Pasuk tells us, This time Yehuda went down, and it led to this marriage that eventually led to the whole line of Mashiach. Now, the Shem Shmuel starts off with this medrash, and then with a story about an explanation of this medrash. And this is what he says. He says that, was the Rebbe of this whole base medrash that branched down to Kotsk and to Geren to Sochachov, where he's from. So he said, Yehuda Choshev Ba'atzmo. Yehuda thought to himself, Shelo Lotoil Shum Tshuva. He said, I did such a terrible thing, I can't do Tshuva. I can't. I, I, I don't know how. I can't. So therefore, right, because he could have brought Yosef back to his father. Alkein Nosa Isha, therefore he got married. Why? Ulai Yale Oso Echad Mibonov. Maybe one of my children will be worthy, and then I'll have merit through one of my children. 
Okay, this was what was said over in the name of Rabuni Pashischa. Uzakeni Zatzal Mikotsk. Now says the Shemesh when my grandfather, the famous Rabnacha Mendel of Kotsk, was told this, they said over this statement from Abunim Pashischa, Amar Chaslele Rabbeinu Zatzal Shayomarko. He says, I, I will not accept it that Rabunim said such a thing. He says, Is that a concept that's part of what we are and who we are? Oops, I messed up. All right, I guess I'm finished, but I'll try to have some children. Hopefully one of them will do something. He says, no, it can't be that Rabunim said that. He said, it must be that Rabunim said the following. And again, the Kutzker, his banner was emes, was truth. Right, so here we think, who are you to start, you know, retrofitting Rebunim's words to this because he knew that this was false, that this could not be. And here's the way what he said. He says, for sure. This is what Rebunim said. That after Yehuda felt that he did something so wrong, that he lost what he had built up so far in life, from the beginning, he felt that this was such a transgression. He said, you know what? Let me begin at the beginning once again. I'm here. Avodah Hashem is here. Let me start again. I go back to the beginning. I'm going to get married, and I'm going to have children, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go. He says the Kutzker, this must be what Rebunin meant. This must be what we see Yehuda doing. And again, that kind of explains this incongruity, which is there in the Medrash. Everybody's in mourning over what happened, and Yehuda's getting married. This is the approach. Now we'll have to explain what and why he's doing it. Okay, so he explains further. He says, I now want to take this lesson that the Rebbe Bivashischa is teaching us and expand on it. He says, Isa Bisvarim, we find in the books, and again, I'm mentioning to people, I'm really trying to read inside and explain tonight because this is what you call an Eidele Nakuda. It's, it's a very subtle point, and I want to get it right. He says, what's the difference between Avram Avinu and the Tzadikim who were before him? Okay, we mentioned already in previous Shurim, there was the Yeshiva of Shame and Ever that the Ovos went to. The other people, Chazal, identify as Tzadikim Chanoch, right, and others. So he says, Tzadikim shekodmu istapku atzmam b'shleimus nafsham. The Tzadikim who came before Avram Avinu were trying to elevate and perfect themselves. And they did. They elevated themselves. They perfected themselves. They reached very high levels of spirituality. He says, Ach Avram Avinu Allah Shalom Avram Avinu wasn't focused on that. Avram Avinu was focused on the fact that we have to create a family, we have to create a nation that is going to spread the name of Hashem in the world, and with this, that was his focus. Did Avram Avinu elevate himself greatly? Certainly he did. But that wasn't his focus, okay? And this is become, going to become very important and very relevant. He says, And this is what Jews are about. 
those of us who follow in the path of Avram. There are many people in the world who work on spiritual elevation, right? From places in the Far East, uh, all sorts of self-help get-togethers and all sorts of different things that people do and can do. And I want to become more spiritual. I want to become more elevated. I want to become more sensitive. Whatever it is, and these things can be good, but he's saying the focus of Avram Avinu is not on that. The focus of Avram Avinu is bringing Hashem into this world. Avram was the one who had the potential to begin in that entire endeavor that would bring that about, and that's what I'm about. So how does it play out? What's the difference? He says, therefore, he says here, when it comes to the people described in the Medrash, they were involved in sackcloth and fasting to repair the pagam, the damage that they did by doing something wrong. When we do something wrong, it has two effects. It has the effect of what happens, how it affects the world, and it has the way it damages us, the way we're affected. So they were working on it. They said, my spiritual level has gone down because of what I've done. I have to repair. Ach Yehuda himtzi derech Yehuda, upon whose name we're all called, Good to remember, the Yehudim. He invented a new path. Himtzi, that's what he says. Ma'od nala, a very lofty path. He says, Ki anu nasa. First and foremost, what we have to be concerned about is that what Hashem wants to happen in the world should happen. Hashem has a plan in the world. He's empowered us with a mission and we're supposed to make that happen. That is what and who we are. And even if a person were in a situation that he could say, you know what? Yeah, I wrecked myself spiritually. I am a mess. I don't know how I can do tshuva for what I did. I don't know how. Nonetheless, that should not hold you back from doing everything you can to build Hashem's nation and bring Hashem's presence into the world. It's two separate things. It was a statement that Moshe Kabrina brought from his Rebbe, the Rebbe Vlechovich, that he said, if a Jew doesn't know that after he's done the worst Aver in the world, that what he's supposed to do next is his next mitzvah, he hasn't stepped foot over the threshold of Yiddishkeit. Okay, now again, this doesn't mean people who are living double lives, right, and are pretending to be observant Jews and doing terrible crimes underneath it. What this means is that Hashem's Torah is given to everybody. Tzadikim, Benunim, Rishoyim, He's always talking to us. And no matter what we've done, even if we've done something very bad, if you have the opportunity to do something good, do it. If there's another temptation to do something bad, don't do it. That is all part of our mission. We are servants of Hashem. And that remains a constant whether we fixed up our damaged spirits or not. Okay, now let me try to flesh this out a little bit. Is he saying that we shouldn't do tshuva? Don't waste your time doing tshuva. Right? There's mitzvahs to do. But we know that tshuva itself is a mitzvah. Right, and uh, it's one of the things, and a person can accomplish more with what he does when he's done tshuva. 
So I believe the chiluk is like this, and this is a famous chiluk that they say. There's the puzzling Gemara in Kiddushin that talks about a person who sees a young lady and he says, you know what? I am now, you will be betrothed to me with this ring on condition that I'm a total tzaddik. Okay? So let's imagine our scenario that um, this nice, innocent, sweet Jewish girl is walking down the street and there's a whole gang of toughs you know, hanging out there and doing their gang stuff. And one of them comes over and says, you know what, you look like a really nice girl. And you know what, I think I would like to marry you. So he takes out his tongue stud and, you know, dries it off a bit. And he says, So the girl doesn't want to insult him, but she looks at him like, there's no way this guy said Sadikomer. So... She takes it, and then, you know, he hops on his motorcycle and mugs somebody on the way out. So she says, okay, all that. Say chazal, she's mekudeshes misafek. She is, there is a reasonable doubt that she is mekudeshes. We're saying, come on. Right? How did he have the time? So the idea is that if a person had for that moment a thought of tshuva, that thought of tshuva which detached him, even for that moment, from the negative things that he's done, in that aspect, he's tzadik gomer. Now, wait a second, is tshuva that easy? How about all these books? How about Elo? How about the Aserzimei tshuva? Etc. So again, even that commitment is a very big thing to do. But stage two of tshuva, they explain, is repairing the damage. Okay, so for sure, Rabboni Yuprashitzcha and the Shem Shmuel explaining it are not saying that you're la-di-da, you know, oh yes, you know, I just uh, robbed the bank. But, you know, I'm going to go light Hanukkah candles because can't be bothered fixing up the damage. Of course he does tshuva. Of course he separates from it. But to spend that time in sak and tainis in order to try to repair my soul so that I can be more elevated where Hashem has things that I can do and have to do, that's the path Yehuda taught us. I get on my bike and I go. Ha'ikr shalo yafsid Hashem izbarach. The ikr is that Hashem izbarach should not lose out and what he needs done in the world. So here he brings a similar lesson that he heard, The Maggid of Mezrich had a mysterious son, a tremendous tzaddik who was known as Rabbi Avram HaMalach. He explained the following Gemara. Rabbi Yochanan Zakai, at the end of his life, was lying on his deathbed, his Talmudim surrounding him. Bocha, he cried, that at the end of life, there are two pathways you can go. And he cried, he said, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know where they're going to take me. So he says, Okay, most of us, it's true, we have no idea what we did or didn't do in life. We're just, uh, we're out of it. Mari de Chushba means a master of accounting, meaning somebody who was always zoned in and he knew what he did and he didn't do in life. And Rabbi Yochanan and Zakai should have had an idea of where he's going in the next world. Right? Was he faking out his Talmudim? Oh, I don't know, maybe I'm going to get sent to Gehinim with the Rishayim. Why? Because you spent all your life devoted to Am Yisrael and Kedush and teaching Torah? How's that? So, V'Omar Zal, Rabbi Rama Malach explained in the following way. That there are two types of tzaddikim. 
There's some tzaddikim that if they did something negative and that caused damage to their neshama, they sit down and focus and repair the spiritual damage. But there's a higher type of tzaddik. Even though he banged up his neshama, it's dented, it's scratched. He doesn't step aside from his avoda to fix that damage. Because at that time that he's going to spend trying to repair that damage, he's serving himself instead of serving Hashem. A very, very sharp statement to make. He says, what does this tzaddik do instead? He says, I got to go and I have to do what Hashem needs me to do now. What's going to be with you? What's going to be with your neshama? I don't have time to worry about that. He said, this is a very, very big matter. Again, as I say, it's not that he's treating things that are done wrong lightly. And it's not that he's not separating himself from it. But to suddenly isolate yourself and try to work on repairing that spiritual damage, however it would be, that's not what I'm here for. I got stuff to do. But what's going to be? His, his neshama is damaged. It's going to have to be fixed. His spiritual car has to go into the shop at the end of his life. He didn't have time to fix up the pakam. He was too busy doing Torah and mitzvahs and chesed and doing what Hashem wanted in the world. So in the next world, he's got to go to the shop to get him, which will fix those pagomim. That was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. Okay, Namar. Therefore, he said, He said, I don't know where they're taking me. I don't know. This is what the Shem Ishmael heard from Rabbi Avram Amalach. And so too here was Yehuda. Again, fleshing out what Rabbunim Pershishcha said. Yehuda was saying, I have to restart. I am not going to take the approach of sidelining myself in Hashem's world in order to try to perfect my neshama and reach the level that it was before. I'm going to do. I have to build the nation. I need descendants. I have the potential as one of the Shvatim to bring something forth into the world. And that is how the light of Mashiach came into the world, specifically through Yehuda. Oh, nothing. Oh, wow. Right? The Mashiach comes from a Jew who's not all self-focused. It's not all about me. He's thinking, what can I do for Hashem's people? That's what I'm here in the world. What can I do for that? And he says, we find this with David HaMelech, who at one point in his life in Shmuel Beis, asks Hashem, he says, ma'osu. These sheep, meaning your people, what have they done? If the punishment has to come, let it come to me. Moshe Rabbeinu, it says in the Psikta, said to Hashem, Yovad let a hundred Moshe Rabbeinu's be lost. Let not a fingernail of one of Am Yisrael be hurt. 
So this was with Yehuda, and this is why in his grandfather, he says, the Kotzka Rebbe had to say for sure, he said, that's what Rav Bunim Pashisko was referring to. That was and is what we're talking about. Okay, so what do we do with this? It's very important that this is part and parcel of who and what we are. Again, the world is into spirituality now. It's gone through different modes. And there are endless seminars that you can do to make yourself an elevated spiritual person. There are meditations you can do. There are things you can do in the jungle. There are all sorts of stuff that you can do. And it's true. A person can become less physicalized, can become more spiritual. But in certain ways, from what he's describing here, that's avodas atzmo. That's serving yourself. If you ask, what is the banner that the Jewish people have? It's not to elevate myself and to become this perfect spiritual being. It's to do what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do in the world. And sometimes those very things either won't leave us the time to repair what we need to and become that spiritual being, or sometimes they bring us into situations where we take a hit. Obviously, after thinking it through and getting advice in the right way, of doing these things. But then the question is, wait a second. A person who's more spiritual, learns more Torah, davens better, does all these things, will be able to do Hashem's goals in the world better. Right? In other words, what is this saying? Yeah, don't pay attention to yourself, just go out and do mitzvahs. But if you don't build yourself up, how are you going to bring Hashem's name into the world? How are you going to help others? So I saw the tension in this described once by Rebellion Mayor Bloch, Rosh Hashiva tells. He said that a Ben Torah, a person of Torah, should always have the following tension cycling in him. He sees the needs of Am Yisrael and what Am Yisrael has to do for the world. And he's on fire, I need to help them. And then he says, but wait, I don't know enough to help them properly. And he goes to learn. And while he's learning, he says, but... Am Yisrael needs so much, and I have to help them. He didn't give the answer to that tension. He said that tension should be there, and you'll be cycling, right? And, and it's there, and that's inside of you, and that's healthy for us. But it's important to realize that that's who and how we are. Now, the Tolna Rebbe brought this down in one of his Malkas, and he said that his grandfather, Yohanan Tversky, whose yard site is the first night of Hanukkah, he was an extremely humble person. He had a different take even on the story of Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai crying before his life. He said, of course Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai always assumed he was going to Ganem. He never assumed he was going to Ganeden. What kind of tzaddik assumes he's going to go to Ganeden? Be an arrogant person. And suddenly on his deathbed, he found he had this little thought, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to Ganem. Maybe they're going to take me to Ganeden. I don't know. And he cried that he had such a foolish thought. How could you have such a foolish, arrogant thought like that? <laughs> a fascinating thing. And uh, this connects to a beautiful story that Tolna Rebbe heard from the Ger Rebbe, the Beis Yisrael, about Rebbe Melech of Lishansk, or rather the, the legacy of Rebbe Melech. Chais of Lublin was a Talmud of Rebbe Melech. And uh, after Rebbe Melech died, so the Chos Simcha went down. 
He was, he was less happy. Now the Chose had what was called a Badchen. Okay, a Badchen, and sometimes we take it too lightly, it's translated as a jester, right? And there's no there Badchonim who say funny things at weddings and stuff. But in the Chotzer, in the court of a Hasidish Rebbe, the Badchonim were often very big people, and they had a very delicate and important job. It was, number one, to like try to keep the Rebbe grounded, because people who are involved in such spiritual things can sometimes just be drawn like a magnet out of this world and in their spiritual realms. It was certainly to bring simcha to the Rebbe and those around him if they found they were getting down. So his badchen was named Rav Mordechai of Rakov. I heard one story uh, about him that at one point the Chose got a little tough with him. He said, okay, enough with the jokes. Okay, I would like you to take a year of no more jokes. Okay, take a break for a year. Yes, Rebbe. Later that day, it was Mincha time, and the Rebbe's davening Shmon and everybody finished, and the Rebbe's still going. And you can see that the Rebbe is in what they call in the Olamas Helyonim, is in the higher worlds. So Rebbe Mordechai of Rakov started working, walking around staring in people's faces. And people started to giggle. Like, and somebody asked him, what, what are you looking at? He says, I'm trying to find the person with the whitest beard. They said, why? He says, I'm trying to find someone who was alive when the Rebbe started Shemun So everybody burst out laughing. The Rebbe stopped the Shemun And he said, didn't I tell you no jokes for a year? He said, it's my fault you daven Shemun for a year. And so these, these things, and again, this is the external shell of what's going on. Very big things are going on with this. So here, the Chazu was down. So Mordechai Rakov came to me and says, Rebbe, can I tell you what happened in the next world when Rebbe Melech came up, when he finished? He says, let's hear. He says, well, Rebbe Melech came, and they were, wherever the reception committee is, guided him into his chamber. You know what was in there? He says, there were beautiful bookcases, floor to ceiling, with all the Sfarim Rebbe Melech would want. And there was a lovely chair and table. On the table was a steaming cup of tea and a little silver box with the finest shmektabek, the finest snuff tobacco, right, that people like to take a sniff of occasionally. So he asked the chuz, he said, and do you know what Rebelli Melech said? No. He says, he looked around, he said, all my life I've been warning the Hasidim not to end up in Gehinnom, and here I am, and it's mamish ganenet. <laughs> he got the chuz to smile. Now, the Rebbe explained to us what's the depth of that story. The depth of the story is, says that what he was saying is that Rebbe Melech, all the Torah he learned and taught and the chesed he did and the things he started and the leadership, he could have done all of that in the context of assuming he's going to Gehinnom. Because that's not what we're about. This is not some kind of reality show, the race to Gan Eden. That's, that's not what it is. The idea is doing what we have to be doing and not being even busy with ourselves in terms of that. Not, not always looking and seeing and try to figure, well, there's two mitzvahs. Which one will I get more points for? Right? And how can I get more points so that I'll get a better chair in the stadium or something like that? That's not us. The Torah doesn't talk about it much. The Torah talks about what we're supposed to do and how we're supposed to do it. And that's this pathway of the tzaddikim that's being put out here. Right? Not to be always involved in that looking and seeing and trying. 
So, this, the Rebbe told us, is expressed also in Halach of Hanukkah. Hanukkah, you have a fascinating halacha. We're supposed to light the Ner Hanukkah. And there's a time, an amount of time, for which the Ner Hanukkah is supposed to burn. Let's call it half an hour without getting into the halachic intricacies. So you have to, when you set up your Neras, there has to be enough oil and a good enough wick, that this thing, and in the right setting, that it can burn for a half an hour. But if for whatever reason it went out before the half an hour, there was an argument in the Gemara, but the halacha decides, kafsa einzo kuklo. If it goes out, you don't have to relight it. You don't have to. You've done it. As long as it was there, you don't have to relight it. So he says, this really shows the idea of, okay, you did it, you fulfilled the mitzvah. Wait, but can I fix it up? Can I repair it? And again, you can relight if you want to. But this halacha is telling us, just go on, just move on. And this was a story that happened with his grandfather. His grandfather was always very excited about Hanukkah. And people would come to him to see him lighting his near Hanukkah. He had a tiny little base medrash, so it didn't take much of a crowd to make it very crowded. And um, he used to like to have the children sit by him when he lit the near Hanukkah and sing. So right after he lit, he hadn't even had the chance to sing his songs. One kid walked by the menorah and bumped into it. The whole thing went crashing down. Broken glass, spilled oil, the menorah down there, everything. Everyone did the gasp, you know, <gasps> right? And the kid turned pale, it was like this. And the Rebbe lit up, right? And he grabbed him and he rejoiced with him. He says, all my life I never got to fulfill this halacha. All my life I lit my near Hanukkah, it burned the whole time. And Chazal said, if it goes out, you don't have to relight it. This is the first time in my life I have to do it, let's dance. That is a person who is able to focus on what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants, how to do it, and what to do it. In a similar way, the Rebbe told us once at his grandfather's uh, Pesach Seder, which he said could go very long and go very late, and the little kids lost patience. So somehow, one kid went into the cabinet, which had the chametz that was sold, and he brought out a bottle of beer or whiskey or something, and he plunked it on the table. So, again, this is something that can cause great explosions Pesach time. Once again, his grandfather lit up like a light. He says, this is so wonderful. The Gemara says that when you have chametz out on Yontav, so you should cover it over with a pot. Come, let's go get a pot, and we're going to go to the special mitzvah of the covering over of the chametz. <laughs> this was there. So these things sound like just a person who's got a good mood, a person who doesn't have such a bad temper. It's much deeper than that. It's a person who doesn't focus on what went wrong and getting down in it and cooking in it and the repetitive thinking about it, but takes a look and says, what do we do now? What do I have to do now? How do I do it? How do I do it with Simcha? I'm going to share a story. I'm, I'm going to try to be careful because it's been a lot of years and I want to remember it as I heard it. Ramesh Shapir Zatzal once told us in a shir that there's a famous story about Ravaran Cutler Zatzal, the Rosh Hashiva of Lakewood, that everybody says, he says, I refuse to believe it. Okay? Kind of like the Kutzker with Rabunu Pashischa, he says, I don't. Here was the story. Ravaran spent a lot of time going around collecting for different causes, right? Whether it was collecting, not just for his yeshiva, collecting for 
during the war, saving Jews, helping refugees, many, many causes. So one time he was in Manhattan in the apartment of one of the people who helped him out a lot, one of the donors, and the son of the donor came in after a day of work, and he kind of leaned back in the lazy boy recliner and kicked off his shoes and picked up the newspaper reading whatever frivolous thing was in there. Sir Baron was, like I say, a great lover of Amisro, but he was also very sharp. He said to him, what are you wasting your time for? Why don't you learn something? So the young man said, um, excuse me, Rebbe, my father told me in your name that those people who donate money to support learning of Torah in the next world, they're going to enjoy the same benefits the people who learn Torah. So according to the story, Baron said to him, I'm not talking about your Olam Haba, I'm talking about Olam Hazeh. Not talking about the next world, I'm talking about this world. Ramosha said he refuses to believe it. He says, because it's a ridiculous premise. He says he doesn't think that Rabarin would even let something like that pass. There's no such thing that you can... To us, killing time is something very negative. It doesn't mean you can buy your way into the next world and mess around in this world with all sorts of things. He says it's a ridiculous premise. He doesn't think that Rabarin would ever let it go. Okay, but... What that shows us, the principle does show us the following. If theoretically a person could somehow ensure and say, you know what, so-and-so told me that if I give enough money to this cause, I'm in. I'm in. I'm there. I'm going to sit at the table with the ovos, with the, whoever it is. I'm going to have my plate. I'm going to have kugel or couscous or whatever they serve in your Aiden, which is there, and I'm going to be in. So... Would your reaction be, okay, so I don't have to do Torah and Mitzvahs anymore? Absolutely not. What we're about is doing and bringing what Hashem wants into the world. What results will result? And uh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has a plan for this. The Rambam uses a Lushan. He says that a person should do ha-emes, emes. Do the truth because it's the truth. The sofa covered lavo. And in the end, the covered will come. So I heard Rabbi and David Shlita, he asked, he says, that doesn't seem to fit. In other words, do the truth because of the truth, but don't worry, you're going to get the reward. So how are you doing the truth because of the truth? He says, because the fact that Hashem wants to give a reward, that's also part of it. That's something Hashem wants. It's going to be, that's part of the process. But why do I do what I do? Because it's the truth. Because that's what has to be done. And this helps us pick up in all sorts of ways from whatever situation we're in. And it stops us from being too caught up in ourselves. Again, there are times in which we have to build ourselves. A person sees sick people, he wants to help them. And he realizes if he goes to medical school, he can really help them much more. So it's true. Sometimes he has to step back and to be in medical school. But sometimes, right, a person has to not be focused on their own personal gain which is there, and to do it. And sometimes people ask these questions, okay, so does that mean that if I don't focus on my own personal gain and I help other people, I'm going to get as much reward or maybe more reward as if I was just working on myself? Don't know, and you shouldn't care. In other words, if this is the right thing for you to do, so you should do it. And this is, this is not our game that we're trying to do in terms of these points. I'm emphasizing this because it's very, very important. I know that many, many people talk about these things and do it. I'll finish just with two kind of shocking things 
that I'd heard. One was, um, there was once a young woman in a place I was teaching. She came over to me after this year, and she felt that she had a brilliant idea. She said, why are we against intermarriage? Never really was asked that question particularly. And she says, wait, listen. She says, who intermarries? Said, um, she says, Jews who aren't observant, right? I'll say, okay, maybe by definition. So if they all intermarry and they kind of disappear, all that will be left will be from Jews and Mashiach will come. My mouth was like kind of flapping like a, a goldfish. You know, I, I didn't really know particularly. My answer was not as good as should I say. Listen, does that mean if your brother, right, you know, suddenly stops keeping mitzvahs, you'll say, here, there's a nice Catholic girl I'd like you to meet. Would you do that? But it's more than that, right? It, the goal isn't to try and rig the system so that Mashiach will come or something. The goal is to help all of Am Yisrael do and reach what they're supposed to reach. I forget the name of the Rebbe. I saw it recently, but I forget it again. He mentioned once at his tish, he says, you should know, Am Yisrael went through so much. They went through so much suffering. Mashiach could come right now, this minute. But there are neshamas that still haven't reached their tikkun. And HaKadosh Baruch wants everybody to be able to come along. And there was a man who had a, an opinion of himself there at the table. And he said to the Rebbe, he said, Rebbe, with all due respect, right? Everyone's suffering. We need Mashiach. So some people aren't going to make it on the bus. They won't be there. So the Rebbe said to him, I would miss you. <laughs> Why do you assume, right, that you're on there? Okay, so there's a lot to think about here, a lot to think about in these stories, a lot to think about in terms of the Kutzker's very strong reaction to that um, statement he was told in the name of Rabunim. And this pathway that's brought from the Kutzker, from Rabav Rama Malach, from the Shem Shmuel, Yes, there is a benefit, there is a pathway of focusing on yourself and elevating yourself and doing those things. But the path which leads to Mashiach, the path of Yehuda, the path which he says is the one we have to follow, is that one of obviously disassociating ourselves from negative things that we did in the past, obviously trying to do the right thing in the future, but to push on, with all our koch, to do what Hashem wants done in the world. Because that's our banner. He's He's Everyone have a wonderful evening, a wonderful week, and a lichtige chanukah.